Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 377 with Tim Draper of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, Nathan here. You're in for an absolute treat today. Today's guest is Tim Draper, founder of Draper University and world-renowned crypto and investing expert, also known as Diamond Hands. Uh, This guy's an absolute G. He was an early investor in SpaceX, Tesla, Coinbase, to name a few, and you're going to learn like how Tim bought over 30,000 seized Bitcoins in an auction and his current predictions when it comes to the state of cryptocurrency. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Tim Draper. You do not want to miss this. Let's jump in. So Tim, the first question we ask everyone that comes on is uh, how did you get your job? Okay, how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? I just got out of business school um, and my first job out of business school, I worked for an investment bank where half the job was venture capital and half the job was investment banking. But I really wanted to be a venture capitalist. My, um, my grandfather was the first Silicon Valley venture capitalist. My dad was a venture capitalist. Um, and at first I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but then I realized I had too many I was an inch deep and a million miles wide in my thinking. And you have to be a million miles deep and an inch wide if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So I was that and not this. Now I've become more of this. And so I looked and I said, okay, yeah, venture capital is going to be the right thing for me. You know, it's in my blood and all that. 
and I worked there for a year. And then my dad uh, went off to work at the Export-Import Bank and he left. He was the chairman of the Export-Import Bank and then he was the UNDP administrator. So he left the business. And when he left, there was this uh, small business investment company that had some private companies in it. And I was able to go to the SBA and convince them to leverage that three to one. And the borrowed money was how I was able to. uh, So I was able to borrow $6 million from the SBA. I don't know if they would have loaned it to me now, but they they did then. And that allowed me to, to start on my own, build a business, and about three years into it, I had pretty much flushed all the money. And the SBA said, we, we put you on our dirt list. First, I was on their watch list. Then I was on their dirt list. And I went in, I flew back and I said, no, you can't call this loan. Too many great companies are in there and I, you know they need me to keep them going and all this stuff. And uh, they bought off on it. And so... Two years later, we, uh, we had a bunch of IPOs and I had the best record in all of venture capital. I went from their dirt list to being on the, on the wall as venture capitalists of the year. So uh, that's how I got started. And then with that record, I brought in a partner, John Fisher. We raised a fund way my, um, my dad actually invented, um, which is the LPGP relationships. And then uh, Fisher and I raised a fund. We did very well with it. We brought in Steve Jurvetson. We raised another fund. We did even better. And then we kept adding a partner at a time until it got really, really big. And we had lots and lots of people and we were managing lots and lots of money. And I realized that our judgment wasn't as good as it was when it was just me or just the three of us because there was that group think and their politics and all that. And so I then spun out uh, and so did, uh, we spun out our growth group and I spun out the early stage with Traper Associates and in effect started all over again. (laughs) And so I've done it for a while and it turns out it's worked out really well for me, worked out really well for my the, all the partners that spun out in their various directions too. So we're really happy with, that was a very difficult decision at the time, but we're very happy with it. So that's how you got to where I am now. Look, I'd love to talk about Draper University. Um, can you take us back like to when you came up with this idea? Do you remember those early conversations? You know, this was just as I spun out of uh, my the partnership that I had built, I realized I had the flexibility to do other things. And I felt like the world after the 2008, when it crashed, the stock market crashed and, and people were feeling like the dollar was worthless and whatever, I was thinking, well, this is great because I'm a venture capitalist and now's the time for those heroes to come up and build those great businesses. And no hero arrived. And I thought, huh, except for Satoshi Nakamoto, who created Bitcoin, here's my Bitcoin time. And he kept his head in the sand. I mean, he created it, but then didn't want to be exposed. So I thought something's wrong with heroism. And I realized that that people are trained to stay in a classroom 
and just do it by rote. Memorize everything the teacher tells you. And if you get it all, if you don't make any mistakes, you get an A. Well, I thought there, that's the problem because they don't allow for failure. They don't allow for all the weird things. Uh, and, and teachers, I understand teachers because they, they really don't want the uprising in their classroom if something you know completely different from what they're teaching becomes the norm. But that's what we want. Progress all comes from people taking chances and jumping off cliffs and trying new things. Penicillin, electricity, Reese's peanut butter cup in America were all discovered by mistake. But people were out doing things and trying things and whatever. So I decided that I needed to create a school for heroes. <laughs> so I created Draper University of Heroes about 10 years ago. And the school has been unbelievably successful. Financially, I continue to just put more money in. However, from our students, we've had huge financial successes. So it's a, it's a success in that way. But we've had... 1,200 students go through hero training and another 500 go through our online entrepreneur accelerator program. And that all started because of COVID, just hero trainings only in person. And we're starting hero training up again for the first time now in July. So um, we're very excited about it. We're hoping that um, it works as well as it did before. But those 1,200 students, they, they started about 600 companies and two are unicorns and two reached hundreds of millions of dollars. And then probably 50 are over 10 million in value. So it's been an amazing success in that way. And many of the companies that were started always come back to me and say, I never would have started this company if it hadn't been for Draper University. One woman uh, who started a company that uh, Serbi Sarna created this fiber line that goes up the fallopian tube and detects whether there's cancer without damaging the fallopian tube. And she got FDA approval. She sold her business for $275 million. She said, I never would have been able to do this if it hadn't been for Draper University. So we really do have a, a system. And people say, oh, is it a boot camp? And I say, you know, we're not trying to teach you what a series A is, a series B. What we're trying to do is make you bold enough to be an entrepreneur, be willing to fail and fail again until you succeed. And that is something people don't like to try coming through all the education system. And we've been very successful in that. There's some, you know, total failures. Like we, some people have not really liked the experience at all. It's a very tough experience. And we challenge you not just intellectually, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. We challenge all your thinking while you're there. And it's an extraordinary experience for people. And they have really benefited from it. And, I, and it, as it turns out, I've got friends now in 95 different countries because we've had people come to Draper University from 95 different countries. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing. Uh really resonate with your mission, everything you're doing there to really try and democratize entrepreneurial education. I'm curious, uh, for anybody watching, like the young entrepreneur that perhaps has uh, dreams and aspirations to be maybe the next Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, 
Uh, like what advice would you give to them in terms of, you know, making mistakes? A lot of it is just be bold. Be bold with the things you try. I think the odds of Steve Jobs winning in the computer business were probably one in a hundred. The odds of Elon Musk being able to create a successful electric car company were probably one in a thousand. The odds of him creating a rocket company that was private, that was successful, probably one in 10,000. They were willing to put it all on the line for that, for a big, big outcome. I think what entrepreneurs often lack is that willingness to try something that is so extraordinary and so futuristic and so beyond most people's thinking that if they're successful, it'll be a huge success. And if they're a failure, it'll be the way I like entrepreneurs to look at it is this throw a party. If nobody comes, nobody's going to know that it was a bomb. But if everybody comes, they'll all know that it was a big success. So think of your entrepreneurial activities that way. Throw the party. Try it. Go out there. Do something. And think about it as a very hard thing to do. Find something that you think is very hard to do, something that you are uniquely well qualified for. And something that is not obvious. I find that it's, it's often the, the chess players who sort of figure this out, the people who go three or four moves ahead that can anticipate what the world's going to look like in 15 years. And so put the 15-year thing into your head if you're an entrepreneur. And then the other thing I would, I would recommend very highly is for all entrepreneurs to read science fiction and watch science fiction. Science fiction is people's imaginations, and those things tend to come true. When I was watching Star Trek, when it was started, when it first came out, there was no way I thought they had a communicator like, hey, Spock, and they'd hit their chest or whatever. This is so much better than anything anybody imagined in Star Trek. And when Star Trek came out, it was like, oh, that could never happen. But it all happened. You know, the, the tricorder reading, I mean, that's all happening. The thing Dr. McCoy puts on the body, that's like an MRI, you know, magnetic resonance imaging machine. They're all there now, everything except for visiting different planets, and that's coming. So I think we've got to focus on that kind of educating. And if you're an entrepreneur, always be thinking of the future. So Let's say you're an entrepreneur right now and you've got a business and you think that it's kind of, kind of interesting and great. First thing I would do, do a Google search. If there are more than 100 people doing the exact same thing, then think, okay, if all those companies become successful, then what is it that they're going to need or what are customers going to need beyond that? And start thinking that way, because if it's just another looking around bottle company, you're not going to win. You're going to win on the off chance that you hit it right and that you're going after something that 15 years from now is going to be important. So think 15 years from now. We're going to probably have flying cars. Communication is going to be instantaneous and probably in VR, AR, whatever. 
we're going to have walk around with exoskeletons. Almost everything will be cured like that. We'll all be decentralized. Governments will be competing for you. The borders will have dissolved mostly. We'll be operating in Bitcoin. It's a new, it's a very different world 15 years from now than it is today. So how does your business fit in to that world 15 years from now? And then start there and then take it back to today. How do I make a business that gets me there? How do I create a business that makes money and gets me to that point? Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success, you should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. I'd love to talk a little bit about the future, switch gears, talk about uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency. Um, you talked a little bit about Bitcoin. You got your Bitcoin tie on. Yeah, and I've, I've got this. and I, You made me zoom out. And so this is KFC introducing a bucket that can only be paid for in Bitcoin. This is a Canadian KFC. And by the way, this is 2018. People are paying thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for these buckets. They didn't know it, but they were. And I think retailers are starting to say, oh, I can accept Bitcoin now. You know, before, back then, it took a long time for the blockchain to change. So it was hard to know whether the Bitcoin had changed hands from you to KFC, but now there's open node and it allows, it's on the Lightning Network, it, it allows people to go off chain, trade, 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 transact, 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 and then move it back onto the chain. And so if you're a retailer, use open node and then you can accept Bitcoin. And by accepting Bitcoin, you're going to be accepting a currency that is really valuable as opposed to one that inflates away as governments print money. So where do you see Bitcoin in 20 years? And do you think it's too late to invest? No, and I wouldn't think of, I, I never think of Bitcoin as an investment. Of course, they call me diamond hands, you know, but I never thought of it as an investment. I thought of it as this is just better currency. It is open, global, transparent. That's the part that a lot of governments don't understand. That transparency makes it so you don't want to be a criminal with Bitcoin. It's frictionless, so you can move Bitcoin anywhere in the world very quickly. I say decentralized. It's, it, it's so that no one node, one, no one government can shut it down, build it up, whatever. No one can print it. It's, there are 21 million. That's all they're ever going to be. So that is a that is the currency 
of the future. It's better than you know a government currency, a fiat, a political currency that is tied to whatever some politician decides to do. I have a friend in Argentina, Sebastian Serrano, and he created Ripio. The reason he created Ripio, though, was he said, yeah, my family has built a fortune three times and then lost it three times to currency manipulation in Argentina. And he said, and I'm only 30 years old, so every decade my family builds and then loses a fortune. So Bitcoin is a great store of value. So if I want to build something of value and I'm in Argentina, I've got something where I know I've got something stable I can hold on to so that I build up a nest egg for my family or for my kids' education or for whatever in the world recognizes. And so that's really exciting. And it's not the governments of the world that recognize it. It's all the individual business people of the world. They're saying, oh my God, people in Africa are celebrating. They can't believe how great it is because the governments that come in by force and try to take assets away, it's like, hey, it's in Bitcoin, you can't get it. And so people can create and it gives people an incentive to do a startup, to take a risk, to try something new, to build a business, to do all the things you have to do to build a business. And they end up being able to store that value in Bitcoin and hold it there. So it now it's, it's a great store of value. It's great currency, great way to pay people internationally. And lo- longer term, it's going to be a great way to do, do micropayments. You know, if you work for Lucasfilm or Disney or something, they have to pay all these people with like physical checks. I've gotten physical checks from some of these, these movie people that say, you know, 12 cents cost them about eight dollars to ship it to me if they had a waterfall and they did it all in bitcoin they could just drop it in what are your thoughts on dogecoin or other or these other meme altcoins well the ones I, I i don't own any dogecoin but uh the ones i'm really interested in are the ones where there are some really good engineers really good entrepreneurs working very hard to build that platform for a specific purpose. I like Bitcoin because it was the original. I don't like some of these others because all they are are copies of Bitcoin. But some of them are doing really extraordinary things. New forms of governance uh, through Tezos or Aragon, new insurance programs through like Maker, new ways of operating NFTs like Filecoin, that kind of thing. I think that those coins are really going to be interesting. But Bitcoin, it's like Intel invented the semiconductor or the Fairchild guys who turned into Intel. And everybody else was sort of like creating special purpose semiconductors. Same thing with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has created cryptocurrency that works, that has a trusted third party that is algorithm that isn't tied to the whims of some human. That creates true value, really good value. A lot of these other coins are just, you know, copycats. It's like there's Uber, and then so there's Bitcoin, and then there's Lyft, and that's maybe Ethereum, and then there's all these other guys that didn't quite get there. In 2014, you predicted that Bitcoin's peak would be around $10,000. What's your next bet? Well, I've already laid it out. 
I said it would be ten thousand dollars by um, 2017, and sure enough, October of 2017, it hit ten thousand on the noggin, and it was almost exactly three years from when I said it, and I said it on the air, so we have proof that I was exactly right. Then it dropped down to about four thousand. After it hit 20,000 or 17,000, it came back down, hit about 4,000. And I made the prediction that it was going to be 250,000 by um, 2022. And I hedged a little by saying end of 2022, early 2023, it's going to hit 250,000. And I have stuck with that prediction all along. People have asked me, well, do you change it or whatever? Elon said this, does it matter? You know, do, do you change your prediction now? You know, Bitcoin's at 64,000, you change your prediction up. I, I just say, no, 250,000, end of 2022 or early 2023, because that's when Bitcoin starts really being used, not just as DeFi, but as, um, as an accepted form of currency. And that will spread it very quickly and it'll shoot right and once it's at $250,000, it's probably all up from there. So these guys who are predicting a million or two million or whatever, 10 million, they're probably going to eventually hit their number too. Yeah, well, crazy. Well, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, Tim, conscious of your time. couple of last questions. Last, uh, first one is, um, you know, seven years ago, you paid around $19 million for 30,000 Bitcoins that were confiscated from Silk Road. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what was going through your mind? Yeah, I only thought I was going to get a few of the lots, but I did do a calculation in my head. All the people I knew who were bidding, and I knew most of the people who were bidding, were talking about what kind of a discount they were going to get from market. Market at the time was 618. And I thought, I thought, well, wait, Bitcoin's either going to the millions or it's going to nothing. And so I don't care if I pay 610 or 580 or what I bid, which was 632. So I bid above market. And I said, well, then I'm, I'll, I'll be sure I'll get one or two of these nine lots. And that's kind of what I was really going for. But I got all nine. <laughs> so it was a bigger investment than I thought I should make. And then it, Bitcoin went up to 634 and then it dropped straight down to 180. So I looked like the stupidest person in the room, but I held it all because I just thought, in fact, I bought more. I bought more and invested that into other bunch of company in Bitcoin, which is another story. But I, 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 I still thought it really doesn't matter what the price is at any given time. This is going to be the currency of the future. There is a hundred trillion dollars worth of currency out there this is probably going to be a big part of it. So why would I ever give it up? People say, when are you going to sell your Bitcoin? And I say, into what? It's like taking euros and trade them, trading them into drachmar or French francs or Deutschmarks. It's, it's going back into the past. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I hold on and ride the currency of the future? And so that's what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, look, thank you for sharing. Uh, just last question, uh, wrapping up is, what do you believe are the top three cryptocurrencies that you're betting on in 2021 are? Well, before I say that, I, I want everybody to go 
watch Meet the Drapers because I created this show and now there, now there are 12 million people watching. And, it, um, and all these entrepreneurs that get on the show, and by the way, you should apply to meetthedrapers.com um, if you're an entrepreneur and you wanna be on the show because we do a crowdfund where the viewer can invest and they are, have been getting a million dollars regularly, hitting the limit of a million dollars. And the new limit is $5 million on crowdfunding today. So watch the show, submit your plan. Maybe you'll be on the show and, uh, and invest. Watch the show and invest. Uh, so keep your eye on Meet the Dream. Um, which three? I, I like Bitcoin. That's number one, for sure. Anybody who owns any crypto, they should be owning Bitcoin. And people would probably say, what about Ethereum? And I, I, I'm going to skip Ethereum because I'm going to go to Tezos because Ethereum, it's been three years, they still haven't shipped their proof of stake. And Tezos has had proof of stake for a while. They've had a lot of engineers working on it. I think that's going to be a good one. And then uh, Aragon, because I, I, I love the idea of a, uh, liquid democracy. And um, Aragon is starting with a jury system, but eventually uh, they're creating a crypto system for a liquid democracy. That's going to be a really powerful tool someday. So I, I'm going to go with those three. I, and the reason I'm, I'm saying Bitcoin over Ethereum is because I think it's going to go the way where Microsoft created the operating system and then they allowed a bunch of developers to create a bunch of new applications on it. And there were thousands of different kinds of applications. And then they saw spreadsheets, word processors and databases. And they say, those are the three that are the most important. And those are the three we're going to develop for, for Microsoft. I think the same thing's going to happen here. I think on Ethereum and on other cryptocurrencies, people are going to experiment. And the Bitcoin programmers are going to say, okay, we want smart contracts, we want DeFi, and we want NFTs. And, and, and maybe we, we want to take over where OpenNote is, where we, we want retail. And then all the rest of that stuff is noise. And they'll, they'll take it over and then that'll be the yeah, fascinating. Well, look, Tim, conscious of your time, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.